right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. Hey. Wow, that was very depressing. What? Oh, very depressing. Hey. Oh, sorry. Hey! There we What's go. What's up? Thank you. I was worried What's up, about big dog? You. I was worried about you. No, it's all good. Oh, no, big dog is our Marjorie Adams, man. We are just, That's I'm, true. Yeah, you're a little dog. No, I'm medium dog. Medium dog. No, you're small dog. You're small dog. No, listen. If you're not big dog, you're small dog, okay? Yeah. And if you don't want to no do black the Oklahoma drill with our Marjorie Adams to determine who the big dog is, okay, so do you you're do small the, dog. Do you want to do it? Will you I never claimed I was big dog. No, that's only you. I never claimed it either. Yes, you did. That's why I called you big dog. Anyway, um, we're going to have a fun show today. KU football, plenty of talk. We got some audio. Uh, Armaj Reed Adams, speaking of big dog, we're going to have that audio coming up next. Uh, <laughs> Luke Grimm audio later on in the show. We've also got uh, audio from Andy Kotelnicki and Brian Borland, the two coordinators. There's some interesting NFL stats I want to get to. Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World is going to join us at 340. And we have the return of Florida Man Mad Libs. It's been a few weeks. I'm excited to bring that back. Uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. What we're going to do to open the show today is uh, just collectively over the first two weeks of the season, yep. Kansas sitting at 2-0. There's some numbers, some numbies, whether it's uh, team numbers or individual numbers that kind of stick out to me the after the first two weeks. The biggest number that sticks out to me is 2-0. That is that's the, biggest the best one. number. That's the best number that's out there. The 2 in the win column, the 0 in the loss column. Yes, and that's yes, the most those are two good number. numbers. Yeah. Two and zero. Yes. I mean, just anything in zero is a good right. Outside of zero and zero. Zero and zero is just like, that means we haven't zero started Zero and zero is not season. bad, right? It's not bad, but it's that means we haven't whatever. started football season. So it's not Not necessarily. Fun. Coaches say all the time, well, this week we're zero and zero. <laughs> so technically, technically every, that every would week you're really zero and zero. Because coaches say that all the time. If a coach like protested to the uh, NFL, like <laughs> we should be in the playoffs, everybody starts zero and zero, and they like pulled a clip from one of the coaches. In no, the yeah, you like, win in week we're seventeen, zero and zero now, you know, or you win in week eighteen, yeah. and you're like, dude, we're one to know. How are we not in the playoffs? Yeah, we're not in the we have a run undefeated. What do you mean? Put percentage. us in the playoffs. Uh, but besides that number, which is again the most important number, uh, the first one that sticks out to me: five hundred and thirty yards per game. They've been over five hundred yards. It's the KU offense both weeks of the season. And I don't expect 530 yards to continue the rest of the way, especially from Kansas' perspective. They're not a team that runs high tempo or is going to run a ton of plays over the course of a game. But so man, that's the offense even more if they don't if, if they're not a high tempo team and they don't run a ton of plays, but yet they're still racking up a bajillion yards. Yes, it makes it even more impressive. It's even better. And and the point of that is the yards per play, which. That can be balanced out. You know, you could run 80 plays. You could run 60 plays. That's why yards per play is a better metric than maybe total yards per game from that standpoint. Kansas is a 7.9 there, which is amazing because last year, Kansas led the Big 12. They were at 7.0. So you're almost a yard better so far, albeit one of your games is against a uh, FBS opponent. But even when you're looking at the Illinois game. How many other teams in the Big 12 played at least one opponent that was – 
not a you know an FCS or non Power Five. I mean, most teams, yeah. Texas Tech, and I mean, like, let's put it this way: Texas Tech played Oregon, so that that one counts, and and Wyoming. So there you go. There's two games for Texas Tech. But then look at like Oklahoma, Arkansas State, and SMU versus Missouri State and Illinois, or BYU, Sam Houston, and I don't even know who the hell they played before that. Uh, let's see, UCF, Boise State, and FCS. You're probably taking Illinois over Boise State, aren't you? Yes. Uh, let's see who, who else we got in there. Cincinnati played Pitt. I don't know who they played in Week One, but you probably take Illinois over Pitt. Well, you, I mean, you averaged seven point four yards per play even against Illinois, so that would have still been above your exactly. number that you were last year, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and, I mean, it's very, very impressive, and and I mean, to your point, like, is KU going to put up five hundred yards of offense every week? Maybe no. not, but this is the best part of your team. This is the part of your team that you expected to be really, really dominant and excel at a high level, and they've done that in their first two games. And you look at the Illinois game, and they you feel like maybe you could have even gotten even more yards. Yeah, I mean, you turned over a couple times in the second half. You had a, you had a turnover on downs at one point. Like you probably could have gotten even you know 50, 75 more. Maybe you could have gotten to six hundred yards yeah. in the Illinois game. Well, right? I mean, think so, about this too. If if you can, if you do end up maintaining an offense where you even are like close to 500 yards per game, these were the offenses that averaged 500 yards per game last season. Stop me if if you hear a team that had a bad season last year. I'm okay. just gonna do Power Five. Even if I told you the non-Power Five one though, it, they had a good season. So okay. I guess I'll mention them. Uh, Tennessee, good, won the Orange Bowl. Washington, good, double-digit wins. USC, good. nearly made the playoff. UCLA, pretty good, won nine games, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Georgia. Ever heard of them? Wait. Oh, wait. I know them. That's yeah. the... Wait a second. <laughs> Hang, on. Hang on. That's the team that won the national championship. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oregon. Good. Nine wins? Ten wins? I don't know. Uh, Western Kentucky was the non-Power 5. I mean, that's still one of the best non-Power 5s. Whatever. Ole Miss had, what, eight or nine wins last year in the SEC. Yeah. Ohio State. Oh, and by the way, uh, Western Kentucky, Ole Miss, Ohio State are just outside of it. They're at 497, 496, and then Ohio State's 490. And then Florida State was 484 in 10th. 11th, for what it's worth, is Alabama. I can wow. keep going on this list. 12th <laughs> is UTSA. 13th is Oklahoma. As it turns so that's out, what you have to get to before you get like Having an offense that moves the ball is equals good. getting Ws. Yes. Wow. Well, I mean, if we want to keep with the offensive points, they're averaging 41 points per game, which I think is the same number they averaged last year when Jalen was, was healthy, was the starter. Um, here's the offenses that averaged 40 or more points per game last season. Tennessee. Good. Ohio State. Yep. USC. Nice. Georgia. Alabama. Yep. And Michigan. That's a pretty good list. Yeah. So if yeah. Kansas ends up averaging forty points, I'm, this is not. This is like seriously. Like this is not hyperbole. If Kansas finishes the season averaging forty or more points per game, they will win nine or ten games at minimum. Yeah. Seriously. Well, think about it this way. On top of that, the Illinois front seven in terms of talent is a top. Two or three front seven KUs might face this season. Is that fair to say? I mean, it's I think hard. you have to put Texas. I feel like Texas probably, is probably number, one. number one after what they looked like against Alabama. Yeah, Kansas State is probably going to be good. Um, but I mean, it's, Illinois it's hard got to say two with dudes Oklahoma. that are. They're certainly in the top yeah, four. Yeah, certainly. I, I'd be comfortable and putting KU in the top four, gashed yeah. them pretty easily. Yes, for the most part. Yes. So I don't know what that tells you about, or I don't know what you know. You can extrapolate whatever you want out of that to say. Well, hey, you know, if that's one of the better defensive fronts you're yeah. going to play this season and you ran for over 250 yards and 
did it pretty easily. I guess Iowa State might go up there too. I, I, Iowa State it might just be the whole defense, maybe not just the front seven. But yeah, your yeah. point stands. So you you, you got to feel really really good about that. Yeah. And obviously one of the games was without Jalen, but the game you had Jalen was against Illinois and it looked really really good. So that's a very very yeah. big positive as well. And and you know I think you and I both have faith in Jason Bean, but obviously we've talked about it. The offense hits another level. When Jalen Daniels is is out there, yeah, and that's not even a knock against Jason Bean. That's not to say that Jason Bean is not a quality quarterback. It's not to say that Jason Bean could not lead the offense to be very successful. It's just Jalen Daniels is the Big Twelve preseason offensive player of the year, yeah, and he was that for a reason. He's just he just elevates everything to another level. By the way, if I do go a dip lower on the points per game stats, if I go to the there's five more offenses that average thirty eight or more points per game that were in between thirty eight and, and below forty. Washington, good. UCLA, good. good. Oregon, good. TCU, good. good. Utah, good. So, dude, what I'm hearing is, what are they doing in the Pac-12? They're not playing defense out there? What is <laughs> yes, going on? That's a good point. Most of those are Pac-12. I mean, the Big well, 12 hey, is the conference hey, no, that no, always— No, 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 no. Here's the better question. Uh, three of the top five, Tennessee, Georgia, and Alabama, I always heard SEC defense. Oh, yeah, SEC What's up with that? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the narrative is always, well, the Big 12 doesn't play defense. Yeah. Oh, the Big 12 doesn't play defense. No. We need to have an investigation into the Pac-12. What are they doing? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, here's another number that sticks out. KU is only a, so get this. KU is averaging 530 yards per game. Okay, they have yep. given up a total of 558 yards. That's pretty good. Speaks well of the defense. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. The defense I think has been better than probably we anticipated at this point in the season, and I think in, that has in large part to do with the D line, right? I mean, that's that's been a position group that there was a lot of concern, but you know, going into fall camp and then from fall camp leading up to the season, there was a lot of positivity coming out of that room. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that they have come out the season playing pretty well because that was a room that had a lot of scrutiny on it. And then in fall camp, I think up to the season, there was a lot of positivity around that around that group. And now they've kind of shown that in the first couple of weeks. I mean, we're pretty solid against Missouri State. I think the only real uh, thing you can nitpick from the nitpick from the Missouri State game was uh, the fact that you did have some trouble staying in your rush lanes at times when you were pass rushing the quarterback, but that didn't really seem to be that much of an issue against Illinois, as far as I could tell. Now, you did give up the long touchdown run to Luke Altmaier, which I still don't know how that happened. No, but, I still, yeah. But, uh, you I don't know, think we'll ever know. It's like uh, who <laughs> built the pyramids. I don't know. <laughs> aliens, man. Yeah. Didn't you see the New Mexico? Yeah. They got aliens. Yeah. They got aliens the, out the there. dead aliens. They showed aliens. Mummified or whatever. Yeah. Which, okay, timeout. Quick side note. The aliens look exactly how aliens are depicted in movies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Which makes so me think me, it's not real. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I've always been under the scope of like, what if the aliens look just like us? You know? Like, what do you mean? How do we know? What if they just look like humans? They're just humanoid? They're just humanoids in another planet, galaxy like, away. Like, they're just, they're humans, but not humans. Yes, they're humans from a different So then planet. what makes them aliens? Well, they're just not from Earth. I think that's the definition of alien, right? You're just not from Earth? I don't know. So, Okay. So if I go and, you know, I'm Jaylen born Daniels on Mars. Might be an alien, and I don't care if he is. You know? If I was born on Mars and I'm an alien, then? Yeah. Yes. You would, to Earth. To Earth. To Mars, you wouldn't be. We are aliens to Mars. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But guess what? You know, I, I think Lance Leipold should establish a recruiting pipeline from... From here to Mars? Yeah. You know? See what you can find. Well, I mean, listen, there's water on Mars, I think. Maybe. So there's got to be... There's probably some life there. But yeah. <laughs> quick side note. Aliens... The aliens that were shown in New Mexico, or whatever. Not, I don't. I'm not buying that. Okay. 
Uh, are you buying the KU defense, run defense being good? They're only allowing 3.9 yards dude, per carry. Dude, <laughs> bro, how many times do I got to tell you? I am not going to fall for the trap, okay? I did this last year, week in and week out. Oh, the defense is fixed. The run defense is, is good now. <clears throat> Wrong. Oh, the run defense sucks. They made a good game. Okay, they're kind of good. Wrong. I don't know, man. I'm going to reserve judgment until, let's see. So they got playing BYU, Nevada, UCF. I'm going to reserve judgment until after the Texas game. As but, to whether or not I think the run defense is good or but bad. But what if they're like, what if they give up like 220 on the ground to Texas, which wouldn't be a good game, but it wouldn't be like you got blown out and it's just like Texas is that good. Then but I the would other say their run defense well. is pretty good. Okay. Or decent. So that's enough for you. Yes. I will be I honest. I just want to build up enough of a track record here before I just start go making grandiose. Because, dude, that's what happened last year. Yeah. Last year I sat here and I, listen, one of the most embarrassing moments on the show. I rubber stamped the run defense. Fixed. And then the next week, they give up like 300 yards. I don't even remember who it was against. So I'm going to wait, and I will do that. I'm going to reserve judgment until at least after the Texas game. Well, I'll be honest. The three- Texas is Texas is a, is the sixth game, right? Or is it the fifth game? Uh, Fifth game. Okay. The 3.9 yards allowed per carry. If you do that over the course of the season, I would gladly take that number. Th- that actually yeah. isn't like as great of a number as you would think in college. In the NFL, that'd be really good, I believe. Uh, but in college... 3.9 gets you somewhere between like the 46th, the 55th, 55th best rush defense by yards allowed per carry. So it'd be good enough. It'd be a big improvement. Because yes, in college, they let you count sacks. Yeah, exactly. Defense. Yeah, that's why. So, so you like, have some teams who like at the top who are giving up like <laughs> James Madison led the country at two and a half yards per carry allowed. <laughs> um, so 3.9 wouldn't be the best number. It would be enough for this defense I mean, to get to where you want it to go. 3.9 would be... That would be top half of the Big 12, I feel like, right? Yes, it would. But my point is that number is where KU's at right now. That's with an FCS game in there. So okay, um, does that scare you at all? But then again, how long was that rushing touchdown by Luke Altmaier? Like I, I, 78? Probably 70? No, I think it was like 78 yards. Because if I take that one play out, fun the fact, number significantly changes. Fun fact, that was the second longest touchdown run by an Illinois quarterback since like 1920. Wow. Yeah, so Illinois had 139 rushing yards. They averaged five yards per carry. Doesn't that seem crazy? Yeah, that's because they that, got 80 exactly. on one play. That's the thing. They had, oh, where is this play? Uh, it was a it was 72 yard. 72 oh, yard. 72. So oh, because they were at the 28. Yeah. Okay, I see. So a 72 yarder, if you take that one run out, then the rest of Illinois, and I get it, you can't, that is part of the running game that sometimes you do have to like take the two, three yard gains to allow for the 30 or 40 yard gain. I do understand that, but because of the nature of how that touchdown wasn't just, oh, he made a great, it was just like KU just got lost. Like, I don't know what happened. If you take that out, then they had 27 carries for 67 yards. That's pretty good. And that would account for 2.5 yards say, per carry. Less than three yards. Then again, you also have the six sacks in there. So I wonder what the real number of what they averaged like on the ground was. Yeah. I guess yeah. The, the way I put that is that it's encouraging, but it's not to a point yet where, to your point, you say it's fixed. Yes. How about I this stat? Kansas is converting 63% of their third downs through the first two games. They're only allowing 26% on the other end. Yeah, I mean, I think last year that was maybe one of the most impressive things with Andy Komlicki's offense is they were pretty successful on third downs last season, too, as an offense. And listen, when you have a guy like Devin Neal – when you have a guy like Daniel Highshaw, 
and you can put yourself in third and five, third and six, third and four, guess what? You're going to be more successful than third and nine, third and ten. And that's kind of the, one of the luxuries that KU has is they are able to have those use those great running backs, use Jalen Daniels to where I, they don't really face a lot of third down and longs. They haven't so far this season. Now, obviously, it's a small sample size, but they haven't faced a lot of third and longs. And when you face less third and longs, you're going to convert more third downs. Simple as that. Yeah, and you have a good quarterback. Helps, right? Yes. Uh, how about seven sacks, four only two against? Also, 18 date edge and tackles for loss. It's been pretty clear that the KU uh, line of scrimmage at both ends has, has been impressive. You you kind yeah. of already talked about the D line. But. I mean, the offensive line, last year, KU was first, I think, in the Big 12 in sacks given up, yep. I believe. And yeah. I, I don't see any reason why that can't be the case again this year. I mean, KU does so much with their option game that it Helps makes having it a very difficult. Quarterback. Yeah, you have a very you have a mobile quarterback. You do a lot with your option game where you read a lot of the D linemen, which let, let me tell you, that's that definitely affects D linemen. Mm-hmm. Whether they admit it or not, when you run options and you're leaving a, a D lineman unblocked and he's got to decide what he wants to do, and then all of a sudden it's a you know, you're gonna pass, but he's he's hesitant because he doesn't know if it's gonna be a, an option or something, that certainly impacts the pass rush in, in a beneficial way. For the KU offense. Yep. So I, I don't see any reason why that can't be the case again. You've got Dominic Pooney moved to left tackle, who is just elite, and uh, you feel really, really good about the rest of that offensive line. And about some individual numbies. Uh, Devin Neal has 214 rushing yards, which, if you extrapolate that out to a 12 game season, that would put him on pace for 1,284 rushing yards. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And I mean, listen, so think about it. 214, so 107 basically combined in the first two games. I mean, I would expect that he's going to have at least one game kind of like last year where he kind of takes things over. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, would it be crazy if he has a game where he has 200 rushing yards? No, I don't no, think so at all. Exactly. I almost expect it to happen exactly. at that, some point. I do too. I do expect it. I do expect a game. I don't know which game it will be, but I right. think there will be a game in, in there where Funny feels Oklahoma State he again. maybe breaks off a couple of long runs and ends up with you know, 175, 200 yards on the ground. Yeah, and for what it's worth, so the KU football single-season rushing record it is held by John Cornish, who has uh, 1,457 yards in, in one of his seasons in uh, 2006. That's definitely attainable, I think. That is attainable, because if you're talking about Devin Neal, if they play 13 games, which I, I, I think would be disappointing at this point if, if they didn't make a bowl. I know it's only 2-0, but you know what I mean, uh, just how they look. So if they play 13 games, he's on pace for 1,391 rushing yards right now. I mean that's that's very much in striking distance yes. of that John Cornish record. Yes. So yes, which would be really cool because if Devin Neal ends up breaking that record, I think it'd be fitting. Yeah. I mean he's been how important one he's of the been to rebuilding this. Yeah, he's been one of the instruments of your program getting to where it is now versus when he first joined this program. Obviously, there's a great storyline of him being a Lawrence guy, you know, being a local kid, sticking around, staying at, at KU, and and has a chance to go down as maybe the best modern running back in KU history, right? Basically since, what, 2000, possibly? I mean, yeah, if you want to go back with John Cornish, obviously there have been some great seasons in there from Jake Sharp and Brandon McAnderson and Puka Williams and, and some good years from, from James Sims, even on some some bad teams. And, you know, yeah, KU's had some guys. Even but, like Khalil Herbert. I don't know yeah, man, yeah, Khalil there. Herbert, obviously very talented. Um, I don't know, that would be interesting. If Devin Neal breaks that record, does he get lofted around as being the most accomplished KU back? Obviously he wouldn't have the career record with June Henley having that, although... That would be a little tougher for him to get past uh, June Henley there. So, I don't know. It it, it definitely is uh, an interesting conversation. But 
Um, if he does come back for a senior year, as long as he stays healthy enough this year, he probably will end up. I don't know. I guess I shouldn't say probably. It's not like a guarantee, but there's a good chance he could end up with the uh, career rushing record for KU. But I don't know that I expect him back for next year. So enjoy what you, what you got with him right now. Uh, how about Seth Keller, man? I, these numbers stick out to me. Four for four on field goals, nine for nine on PATs. Um, it's it's small stuff. He hasn't hit like a booming 45, 50 yarder yet. They haven't needed him to, and hopefully you yep. don't have to. But uh, it's it's been good so far from from everything in the kicking game and on special teams. You just haven't messed anything up. Yeah, yeah. My thought process with special teams continues to be. If you're not talking about it after the game, that's a positive. Yep. That means that you executed what you were supposed to execute and there wasn't anything that really hurt you and you you know guys did their jobs. And that's how it's been, right? I mean, he hasn't missed a field goal, hasn't missed an extra point. You've only had to punt once. You haven't really given up anything in, in kickoff coverage to note. So if you're not talking about special teams, they're doing their job. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Henry Greenstein joins us in 15 minutes. We got some Armage Reed Adams audio coming up on the other side with KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And that time on a Wednesday, we're joined by Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com. So uh, we, we've been doing the weekly Jalen Daniels worry scale. I guess after last week, he plays, he starts the game, he looks really good. What is the scale down to? Is it down to a one? Is it possible at this point for it ever to get down to a one? Maybe it stays at a two, just resting. Uh, where is the Jalen Daniels worry scale at this point? Yeah, I, I was going to go with what you just mentioned. I think it is at a two. I don't think it can totally be at a one. You know, I mean... First of all, I just want to say it's one thing to talk in the abstract about Jalen Daniels. It's another thing to actually see him on the field out there and all the incredible mm-hmm. plays that he's able to make. You know, like you hear about him all off season and how important he is to the team. But especially for me, as someone who has only ever watched Kansas football on TV before, uh, it was really impressive to see him back in person and kind of willing the team to success in a lot of ways. So that's one thing I want to say about Jalen Daniels. But yes, I don't think the worry scale can go all the way down to one especially if he's going to be super limited in practice, like we heard he was on Sunday. And, you know, I heard some people talking about how he, he seemed tired and worn out after certain plays, and that might just be a conditioning thing. But while I think that my prediction is pen, pending any other development, he'll probably start every game for the remainder of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if, if KU builds an early lead against Nevada. They choose to rest him. And certainly I think you got to keep an eye on this back thing even so, going forward. Well, Kansas beats Illinois on Friday night, 34-23, to the final score. What impressed you most about what the Jayhawks did en route to that victory? Yeah, well, I mentioned Jalen Daniels just being himself, and that was one thing. Uh, the other kind of obvious one and something I wrote about, uh, despite it being obvious for uh, for com, is the pass rush. Uh, I know you guys have been talking about this this week, but I don't think anyone expected them to go off and get six sacks, which they had not done for 14 years. It's crazy to believe that it's been that long, but it has. And without a number one pass rusher, you know, I was not totally sold on the quality of this rush when I heard, like, Taiwo Anatolu and people saying through camp, yeah, it's just going to be by committee. We might not have that guy. But if the committee is this good, you might as well stick with it. I mean, Jeremy Robinson seems like he's taking a big leap forward and they'll be without Austin Booker for the first half this week, but he's using that athleticism and that length that we heard so much about and it's coming through on the field. It's another thing where you hear 
abstractly about a guy being athletic, but you don't really know how it's going to be borne out until there's 11 guys lined up against each other. Um, so I've been very impressed with the defensive front play. And another thing that's been a hot topic this year after getting alluded to in camp is the whole linebacker blitzing thing. Uh, it was interesting to hear, interesting and enlightening to hear Borwin say yesterday about Jay Brown. Yeah, he's our best, he's our best blitzer, just straight up like that. And certainly, uh, it seems that way. He had that really dominant sack. He's been making plays all over the place. I mean, he had the deflection on an interception in the first game. Um, and that's what's kind of earned him that co-starting role that now is in the depth chart, along, of course, with Taiwan Berryhill's injury. But, yeah, the defensive front seems like it's a lot better than expected. Now, uh, we'll see how they do against the top O-lines in the Big 12, but certainly Illinois was expected to be a good one, and they uh, did not hold up. So that was my main takeaway. Yeah, with the with the idea of the linebackers blitzing, you know, in preseason and fall camp leading up, there was a lot of discussion kind of alluding to possibly utilizing that more. And I think kind of the logical thought process on that was that, oh, maybe you might use Craig Craig Young in that as that guy that can be a pass rusher. But now it seems like J.B. Brown, like you mentioned, I guess what kind of flexibility do you think that gives this defense if you are able to use J.B. Brown more as a pass rusher, you know, allows you to keep the same guys in? What kind of flexibility do you think that gives the defense? Well, for one thing, it gives a break to some other guys. And, and as Boren was saying yesterday, it was going to be more multiple in terms of their front because that's technically a three-down front when you have a, a Brown on the end and you, you move Robinson inside or whatever. So that's one thing. But honestly, generally speaking, I think they're just looking for ways to give Brown as much action as possible. We kind of heard uh, in camp, I believe it was Chris Simpson, who said, you know, in groups I've had, there have been three starting linebackers, but often the fourth guy – ends up with more reps in the third because he's able to fill in at all these different spots. Um, and when he said that, a lot of people had an inkling that it was going to be J.B. Brown that was that fourth guy, and I think we're seeing that borne out. If not, uh, just J.B. moving into the starting role, um, which is kind of what it has been because of Barry Hill's injury. Um, but, yeah, I think that this is a very handy way for them to solve two problems. One, where are they going to get a pass rush? And two, how are they going to use J.B. Brown? Is there anything through two weeks of the season of play that maybe you still have questions about or reservations about uh, till they play maybe, I don't know, an even tougher opponent or just from seeing it on a consistent basis? Yeah, a few things stand out. One of them is I think they need to do a better job closing quarterback rushing lanes. That's something they talked about after Missouri State, but <laughs> you watch a little bit of that second half uh, against Illinois, uh, you'll find they did not totally – close those lanes down and there are quarterbacks in the big 12 who can make you pay in that way certainly john rice Plumley is injured right now it's not clear whether he'll be back for that first game in october or with whether it'll be timmy mcclain um and you know tyler shuck and people like that who can run that they'll have to go up against and i think that's something it uh needs to notice um we got to see more punting from damon greaves uh he's only punted once and it wasn't that great of a punt but that's not really the first thing that comes to mind, I guess. Uh, Brian Borwin mentioned the screen game as something they wanted to work on and advance this Nevada game. I think that's something else to pay attention to. I would say it's just sort of these defensive uh, intricacies, maybe. I think that the defensive front showed a lot of progress, obviously, but I think there's still a lot of different and discrete ways that they can tighten up in that domain. How important for the rest of the season, I know you just wrote about this, will KU's ability be to kind of force turnovers and, and have that strong coverage in the secondary? 
Well, I definitely think it would be better for them if they could do it like earlier in the game. I mean, uh, you know, Missouri State, those two interceptions were super late and likewise at Illinois. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's something the defense hasn't always been able to do in the past. Um, I think if they're not going to always be able to stop opposing passing offenses, then just sort of having a bend but don't break approach and waiting for that play where you can jump around and turn things around might be the way to go. Um, because I think that the pass defense hasn't always been stellar so far, but those moments have really helped KU bolster its lead uh, in vulnerable situations. I also think that if you get more sacks, those sacks will lead to fumbles, and uh, all that is super promising. Um, because the more you can have Jalen Daniels in that offense on the field, uh, the better. Going back to the Illinois game, it, it felt like Kansas maybe kind of let their foot off the gas pedal a little bit in the second half, or maybe they weren't as sharp as they were in the first half after they got up big. Is that maybe something that can translate a little bit with them getting up big and kind of letting their foot off the gas a little bit, or, or do you think that's something that maybe was just, just this one game and they can get that fixed? I don't know. Lance kind of sold me on his explanation the other day when he was like, I didn't see a letdown. Uh, I mean, he didn't fully sell me, and I'll explain why in a second. He basically said, I don't see a letdown. Uh, the energy in the sideline was high. We got our rhythm messed up by the penalties. Maybe that block in the back shouldn't have been called, and that would have been a touchdown for Doug Emelian. Uh, I definitely agree with all the stuff he said about the penalties messing up the rhythm, because even as a guy sitting in the press box, you're just feeling that time draw on and on as they call targeting and they review it, and they call targeting and they review it. And just for fun, do they call targeting and they review it a third time? Uh, so, yes, I think that I agree with Leipold that their rhythm was messed up by those things, and I think that's not something that will happen in the second half of a lot of games. Uh, where I did maybe a little bit is that I do think that the turnovers that they committed are something of a letdown in and of themselves. Like, the Lawrence Arnold fumble and Jalen Daniels interception, which interception looks like maybe a receiver got knocked down underneath while he was throwing to the end zone there. But even so, not the greatest call on his part and kind of put a mark on an otherwise stellar performance. So I think in general, they got to clean up those turnovers. And that's even beyond the second half letdown thing. I mean, the Daniel Hyshaw fumble in the first game was, was a problem too. Okay, you takes on Nevada on Saturday, late game, 9.30 local time here in uh, Kansas on Central Time. What sticks out to you most about not just KU's game to Nevada, but the trip and the trek out there and some of the, uh, I guess, non-football things they're going to have to deal with? Yes, thank you for asking because I love talking about this stuff. That's why <laughs> I wrote about it. I have, always, I have always relished these sorts of idiosyncrasies and logistics and whatnot. Um, for one thing, this is the first time they have played a game in the Pacific time zone in 21 years, uh, which I guess is what happens when you don't get invited to a lot of bowl games and you don't schedule a lot of non-conference opponents out west. Uh, but that last game, yeah, was a loss at UNLV. It is the latest kickoff time they have had and I don't even know how long. I tried to look and I got so far back that the kickoff times stopped showing up. So it's at least this century they have not kicked off at 9.30 p.m. Uh, Central. They kicked off at 9 p.m. Central for the Coastal Carolina game in 2020 because they wanted a TV window and there weren't many fans attending. And they kicked off at 9 p.m. for, I believe, that UNLV game I referenced earlier. So those are a couple of things. And the reason why this is important, just to spell it out, is you have a peak time in the mid-afternoon where your body is physiologically the most adept. Uh, and if you pass that time, you're going to be... So a lot of 
much across professional and collegiate sports are impacted like this. If you go west across time zones, you are effectively playing after your circadian peak has already passed, whereas your opponents are not. So that's a little disadvantage for KU. And also the elevation, which was brought up the other day, they got to get used to This will happen when they go to Utah and Colorado. Those are all high elevation. Um, and that can take a toll on people who are not necessarily conditioned for it. Uh, Leipold didn't seem to think it was much of a problem because of the intensity of their fall camp, and I tend to agree. But those are some environmental factors to keep an eye on, especially like early in this game. Yeah, and I guess moving forward after that, like how much, I don't know, could, could this actually, some of those, those travel things have a bigger impact actually on the following week against BYU? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because um, Leipold also mentioned the NCAA rule that effectively makes it so because they are staying over in Reno uh, and eating breakfast there before leaving, they effectively have to utilize that as a practice day as well once they get back to Lawrence uh, because the NCAA would count it as a team day either way. So that's an important thing to note. And just a general point I want to add is that these trips are going to become really frequent. I mean, it's not just that they have Arizona and Arizona State, which are uh, in Pacific time for a portion of the year. Uh, They also have non-conference series that are home and homes that are scheduled with Fresno State, Washington State, uh, and Hawaii. This is not going to go away anytime soon. Now, whether Leipold will be the one dealing with it in however many years is another question because who knows what might happen there. But, um, but yeah, they got to set a good precedent here so they know what to do in terms of the week leading up to and the week afterward in the years to come. I'm also just curious about this game when you talk about BYU coming to Lawrence the next game and this game on the road against Nevada. This is a Nevada team that lost by 27 to an FCS opponent against Idaho. Do you think there's any possibility of KU maybe – overlooking this a little bit uh, coming into it just uh, maybe early in the game? Well, it's funny you say that because I was, I was making the rounds, the breakouts yesterday, and I was, I was in a similar rhythm to, to Glenn from KSNT, and he was asking everyone this question about, you know, between the big emotional win over Illinois and the Big 12 opener, do you think there's any chance of a letdown? And, I mean, of course everyone's going to say that, that there isn't, and, but I, I don't know. I was convinced. I think that they're taking this seriously. Uh, Certainly, like Brian Borwin and Andy Kolnicki had enough different things to enumerate that made it seem like they had really done a deep dive on the film and all the players seemed prepared. Now, I do think there's a chance they get beaten over the top once or twice, which is the thing that Nevada does is they throw these deep shots. and they I mean, that's how they scored early against USC, and that game was 7-7 before it ended up being 66-14. So I think there's a chance that Nevada puts up some points, but... I think KU will get settled in. I don't think that it'll be that much of a long-term threat. Okay, I got some uh, crossover questions to finish up here. Uh, what do you think we get more All of? Right. Johnny Furphy minutes per game this season or Devin Neal total touchdowns? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Johnny Furphy minutes per game is an interesting one because I think there's a there's a case to be made that his minutes – get larger over the course of the year. I mean, that's the case with a lot of these freshmen. But um, I'm going to lean toward Devin Neal. You said total touchdowns, right? Yes. She's at two right now. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to lean toward Devin Neal total touchdowns. 
I think that it may be that the final number of minutes for if he ends up playing is higher, but I think it'll take some time to get to that point. It'll average out in such a way that Devin Neal will be higher. And I think, I think Neal has been incredibly impressive so far, and I don't expect that to slow down. Now, of course, his overall touchdown capability is limited by being by having to share time with a lot of other talented guys, but he is the primary option. Okay, uh, more Jalen Daniels total touchdowns this season. So passing, rushing, I guess if he caught one, or three-pointers attempted by K.J. Adams. <laughs> i, I got to go Jalen Daniels total touchdowns. I think that, I mean, if you think about this for a second, do we think K.J. Adams is going to, like, take one three-pointer per game? I guess that would be more than Jalen Daniels. I think that what we saw in Puerto Rico was probably him sort of feeling things out rather than forming an established pattern for how it's going to go and sort of reassuring himself and those around him that he can make those shots. I think in practice there are a lot of other people that they would want to take them before him, as he himself uh, acknowledged. So I'm going to lean toward Jalen Daniels' total touchdowns. All right, and last one I got for you here. Uh, What will be lower the least amount of points that the KU football defense gives up in a game this season, so right now that number would be uh, 17, or the amount of Big 12 wins that KU men's basketball has in Big 12 play of their 18 games. Okay. Um, One more math on this one. So, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one because I, I do think that KU men's basketball will do very well in the Big 12 this year, but I don't think... Man, that is really tough. Uh, let's see. Like, I don't know if you're, if you're thinking like 15 wins or so for KU men's basketball in conference. And the question is, can the KU defense hold an opponent to less than 15 points? I mean, right now I'm thinking of having Nevada scoring 14 in my prediction. So I got to go with. Well, this is like the one chance. So if they don't, if they don't hold them under 15, I mean, maybe so Iowa State. Here, I don't. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point. Iowa State's offense has not shown, show, not shown much, and certainly didn't last year when they were in the Warren. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the men's basketball conference win. That is the most challenging one of these you've presented. So far. Okay, there we go. Well, Henry, I appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, anything you want to plug that you have coming up, or, or for people to read that's out right now on uh, KUSports.com. No, I don't think so. Just keep monitoring the day-to-day coverage. Uh, I've been trying to present each game from a variety of different angles. Uh, we're a month away from basketball season and less than a month away from, well, the, well, we're a month away from late night, really even less than that. And we're less than a month away as well from uh, the KU Hoops preview from the Journal World, so keep an eye out for that because I already wrote the whole thing. There we go. All right, well, Henry, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a great rest of your week and uh, safe travels to Reno. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, that was Henry Greenstein, LJ Worlds, KUSports.com, which is where you can also check out now the uh, Best of RCST podcast. One hour down, two to go. We got Andy Korolnicki, Brian Borland audio to come. We got uh, some interesting stuff about the NFL in week one, some interesting stats and studies. Uh, about maybe the way the game is going that I wanted to get to a little bit later. We also got some more player audio, Florida Man Mad Libs to come in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Keep it locked in right here. 
4 o'clock hour. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We are going to get some Brian Borland audio later in this hour. We also have Florida Man Mad Libs and some Luke Grimm audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Before we get any of that, Andy Kotelnicki spoke with the media for a while yesterday ahead of KU's Week 2 game against Nevada. He talked about some of the things they were doing well. He talked about Nevada a little bit. And also, right off the top, another uh, Andy Kotelnickyism or Andyism, Kotelnickyism, whatever we decided on, uh, talking about I think, Christmas I think stuff. Andyism sounds pretty good. Yeah. It's just Andyism it's, is more generic a, because yeah, it could like, be any Andy. That's true. I, I guess that's true. But how many Kotal, Kotal 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 Nick- how many Nickies do you know? Kotalism? Right? Yeah. Nickyism? <laughs> just that Kotalnickyism mm-hmm. doesn't work. No. It's got to be. Yeah, it doesn't flow. Kotalism. Does that work? No, I don't think that works. You don't works like Kotalism? AKism? And Kotalnick, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we'll work out that We're going to work out that one. You know, we've heard him talk about Christmas lights in the past and Christmas. He is a firm believer, it sounds like, in not starting Christmas music till November 1st. Yeah, honestly, listen, I respect Andy But I think Andy this Cole is going to be a, a polarizing opinion because I, I think this is this is in between where most people have it. Well, I respect Andy Kolnicki. I just, listen, I honestly don't care, okay? Play whatever music you want to play, okay? Knock yourself out. I don't That's care. That's the side that I'm on. <laughs> but I know other people feel very strongly. But the, the other people, they tend to feel strongly about... You can't play it till after Thanksgiving. Mm. No, you can definitely play it before then. I think. Well, I'm again. We're in the boat of just play whatever. Play you whatever want. you want. Yeah, dude. I mean, but listen, I had to suffer through Michael Blue Blay my entire childhood from my because my mom would play. Yeah, it, you know. So. Well, my argument for the people who are always like, "Well, you can't play it till after Thanksgiving." Okay, well, what are the Thanksgiving songs? <laughs> what are we playing before then? You know. Uh, I don't know. So again, I'm I'm whenever. If you want to listen to Christmas music in June and that makes you happy, go for it. No, I agree. Knock yourself out. Um, but yeah, anyway, here's uh, Andy Kotelnicki talking about that and many more things. 49 days. He has a master's degree. That's, that's official? <laughs> not before Christmas? Not before 49 Halloween. days and then we can turn on the holiday music. Right. You won't go earlier. Have you ever? Now, fun little fact, because we have a playlist for the whole staff. So I got how many ever songs on your iPhone, right? Thousands. And a lot of them are Christmas songs. So you'll be out there in July... And all of a sudden, a big Christmas song pops out. You got a hit skit, but you can't take it off your phone, right? That wouldn't right. be a good choice. Um, okay, opening act for Coach Borland's here. So, fire away. I guess for Jalen being back, what impressed you most about what he showed on Friday? Well, his, you know, the things that all the things that everyone saw. I mean, his ability to extend plays, which we knew was always a. Um, a skill of his, or you know, an asset that he has, and so for him to do that right out the gate, the, um, you know, he didn't play scared, right? You know, and he didn't, you know, run around out there gingerly, and you know, and he did what he had to do for the team, which is fantastic, and made some huge plays. You know, being able to keep plays alive, right? For us, you know, at the end of the half and the critical third down there when we were backed up. So uh, those things, I don't, I don't want to say they're surprising, but they're you know, things that you perhaps could expect or maybe anticipate um, happening if they were, and uh, those things didn't occur. So I uh, was super proud of him and his performance. I know you see him every day in practice, but when you think back to the, the bowl game against Arkansas to his first game this year, where do you feel like he's taken the biggest steps forward in this game? Well, <clears throat> you know, I've been asked that question a couple times, I think, in the spring and then in fall camp again, and I would tell you that I, um, his understanding of what we're trying to do you know, schematically, and his ability to maybe get off a read really quick um, is at a high level right now, right? So th- those sort of things are are good, and 
I've always said that we do what we're able to do offensively because of the players that we have, including the quarterbacks, what their capacity um, to intellectually ch handle all the stuff that we do. And um, he does a great job with it, really does. Naturally or extra film or experience or what's gone in? Uh, that's a good question. I think some, there are some inherent things that, that, that he has. You know, there's, I think when you look at quarterback play at any level, you know, the wittiness, right, that, that needs to occur, if you will, um, right? I think some people naturally have that, and, and he does, but I'm not saying that to take away from the work that he does do. Um, he spends a decent amount of time watching film and understanding and going through the calls. And, um, you know, we meet weekly and we go through every call on the call sheet and say, why is this on here? And he can regurgitate it back. And, you know, we go through, hey, what's the first third and medium play going to be? And, you know, he'll, he'll, we'll go through that together and he'll help pick that out. And, and so we, we kind of can anticipate what's going to happen um, as the game unfolds. But, yeah, I mean, he works hard at understanding those things. Him and Jason both do. You know, those guys do a really good job. And Coach Zabrowski is fantastic in the room with them on, you know, making sure that they understand that stuff and they do it and they rehearse it over and over and over again mentally. You don't, you don't need to think too long on this, but maybe it jumps out. It, it, is it easy to you to know which of your offensive players watches the most film? Do you have an automatic answer for that? Do you know? I don't have an automatic answer. It's probably – I'm not going to name a name <clears throat> because I can't. Yeah. But but there but, I mean, I can tell the ones who do it because when we go out there, that you know when we go to to a walkthrough or we go to an installation, you can see who, sure, it's like knows it. Hey, they're gonna do this, right? Yeah, that's what they're gonna do. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, I think I'm sure Coach already talked about this with you, but just an atypical schedule with the extra day. And so yesterday was you know not a typical Monday for us. The kid, the guys were off, and it was really kind of cool to see how many guys wanted to come around and watch film on their own, and you know pop in the office and say things, and you know chime in about what they saw. And so it, it's good. Um, again, we're able to be as stressful as we are as an offense because they'll do that extra work, right? They don't want to be, you know, the standard. Look at us line up in these four formations, sure. you know, right. and um, they get that. And so it's a credit to them what they wanted, what they're trying to do, and how it helps us. It helps them. Yeah. Why do you think the offensive line had so much success run blocking against Illinois? Well, I think there's a lot of things that, that probably contribute to them. Um, again, if you would have told me, and, and I'm, my mind, just so you know, right this time of the week, typically it's so far already into the next opponent, so it's hard to sometimes yeah. think, even though it's just a couple of days ago. But if you would have told me in July, hey, you're going to have over 250 on the ground against these guys, I'd been like, all right, we'll take that, right? And so I think to that group, they prepared very intentionally, right, for the front that we saw. We wanted to do some things in the game plan that was going to put a lot of stress on some of their best players in terms of reading them and, you know, blocking them with different angles and all these sort of – give them a lot of different stimulus, if you will. And they were able to do that well. And I've commented before about their effort that they play with. And so I think when you combine all of those scenarios – into a game over the course of how many ever hours a game is and number of snaps that we had, that has a, a wearing effect on a, on a team. And so it was good for CS, you know, we had the last drive to get a first down in the game. You know, we've been in that situation before and we failed and getting the ball back. So um, to finish it out that way and a couple downhill runs was awesome. So I think how they prepared themselves and them understanding what they were going to do schematically and how they were going to play them, and the effort that they played with would be why they had success.
And you mentioned being far in Nevada. Just what's stood out to you about them so far? Oh, they're they're multiple. You know, they they want to bring. Um, I think they're going to want to bring a lot of pressure. They're going to want to try to pressure the quarterback and give us a lot of different looks. And so they're in and out of a lot of different fronts. It's a lot different than Illinois, in the sense that Illinois was you could probably tell where they were going to line up on every snap, and they played it so well in this group. You know, they'll be in a bunch of different fronts and a bunch of different pressures and coverages in the back half. And there's a lot of multiplicity that we need to be able to, to manage. Because um, I, would, I would anticipate them to want to bring a lot of pressure. Andy, what, what some people call their offense the West Coast or triple option. What do you call this offense? What would you call it? KU? Yeah. Kansas offense? <laughs> I don't have a name for it. I, I, you know, right? It's, if I'm going to give you the elevator pitch, and I think I've said this before, I'll tell you it's a multiple pro-style offense that uses spread concepts. That's the elevator pitch, right? Emphasis on multiple, emphasis on pro-style in the sense that we use a lot of different personnel groupings and put them in positions to be successful just like you would see on Sundays. Ask our receivers and quarterbacks and running backs and everyone to do things that they're going to ask pro players to do from different shifts and motions and routes and run plays and run schemes. Um, that's why that has that tag. But I don't have a name for it. Come up one. I'm open for ideas. So, <laughs> Brett Bielma, after the game, said that you know they studied you guys last year and you tried to figure out what you're going to do, and you came out with new stuff that they hadn't seen. Is it easier to do that, put these things in when you have a lot of experience? Back 100%. Like, you know, the little wrinkles – and I use the word little to us because on the other side of the ball, those can seem very big and stressful. And I know that he had commented on the different splits and alignments that we would use with linemen and different people. And that's a big deal to them. To us, it's just we got to walk through it a couple times and say, here's how it's going to look, and then we're going. So you can't get to that, right? You can't get to letter Z unless you get through the rest of the alphabet before that. And you can't get through the rest of the alphabet unless you've got the guys coming back like we do. And so to your point is 100% accurate. We're able to do the things that we do because of the players that we have and the number of them that have come back and experience. Going off of wrinkles, there was a play, I think, kind of right before the 10-minute mark in the third quarter where you had like a nine-man motion shift. Essentially, you had half on, out wide on the left, half in the middle, ran Devin on a jet sweep. Where did that play come from? Okay. Um, well, there's three people that you can give credit for to that. One, the shift in the motion was Trevor Cardell's idea, right? So I thought about the players come in. Um, we, we, we took it from them. And then two of our special team analysts, uh, Zach Barton and um, Aaron Miller, right? And I told you guys before how we have people just scouring for film. And that's two of the people we have scouring for film and they found some of that around. We said, that's cool. So we put our own little flavor on it and um, just do some things that add stress. Called the smoke break because the linemen just got to stand over there and do nothing. We <laughs> <laughs> saw Armage start for the first time since 2020. Just what did you think of his, his first performance? For you he, guys? He, he did well. I, you know, I think that, you know, after reflecting on the game, um, you know, him and Mike and Kobe give us some flexibility to be able to play all those guys at guard, and we, and we will. Um, but he did good. I, I've said all along, his size and athleticism is second to none. And so to have that on the field that showed up at times. We have a clip that we show, and I, I forgive me if I've said this before in here, but after every game in practice in fall camp and spring football, we have a couple called the rock chop tape. We point out that physicality on film, right, and effort. And he showed up on there, right, a couple times for what he was able to do in, in, a, in a, a couple outside zone plays, a couple big plays, a couple downhill runs to be able to generate some movement the way he did, it was a big deal. So I was very pleased 
with, with him getting out there for the first time. And you mentioned the three-man rotation there. We saw Kobe get some snaps in the third quarter. How exactly do you guys time that? When do you decide? It's, it's hard. I, boy, I tell you what, and if you had Coach Fuchs up here, Coach Leipold, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about O-line rotations and how you want to do it. The, the reality is you always want to try to get your best five guys in the, on the field, and it's, it can be a challenge sometimes to figure out who that, can, who that is all the time. And we were pleased with how Kobe played in the first game, didn't get in until the third quarter of this game. Um, but we anticipate him rotating in for more frequently, right? Because he deserves to play. He's been doing a good job in that. I'm not saying that to take away from the other guys. It's just if you can get a little rotation, it allows you some more flexibility, uh, sustainability for the future, right, if something were to happen. You get guys, uh, we've talked before about the importance of game, meaningful live bullet reps in games. And that, that stuff is, has a compounding effect throughout the course of a year. You know, I don't know. Uh, I think that there's, you know, obviously to have the last two that we had here where the booth is rocking is awesome. We're going on the road now. I, I think maybe Coach maybe mentioned it yesterday. I'm not 100% sure about, you know, the time difference. And I was playing pretty late out there, which would be a challenge. But, yeah, there's some routine and some consistency that's involved with it. And I think that, that that's good and healthy. But, you know, the day and age, I mean, we're playing at 930, right? And the next week, what do I think, 230, is that right? Our time, okay? Then who knows what the next week will be. So it's kind of... Um, it's all right, you know. It's great exposure for us, but but there, to your point, routine and consistency are not the enemy. So if you can be, gen, generate one, that's awesome. But I'm not going to lie to you guys. If we play 11 in the morning, we get done at like three o'clock in the afternoon, and as a coach, you finally get to go home and just like watch college football for a little bit. That's pretty fun. But they're not really considering that. I can assure you when <laughs> thinking about the schedule. It's only been two games, um, but I wonder are our defenses doing something with, different with Mason? Uh, I know you want to spread it around, but but. Seems like he was open a ton last year, and he's got three catches this year. Not sure um, alarming, but yeah, no, that? it's probably as much to do with you know the distribution and who else is being open. Okay. If you're in a situation where we're completing less than fifty percent of our passes, and you know, then I'd be more concerned. But um, we're not forcing balls to anybody, you know, and it's just a matter of where people are at within a progression on a given on a given day. And I mean, I go back to some of those last year catches. He wasn't always the main progression either, and you find your way to him. So. If you, it, you try to organize things in play calls in a way that a certain player might be designed to be the primary target and may or may not be open based off of what the coverage gives you. So um, there's a lot of happenstance that, that's involved with who gets the target and the touches. But, but I've, we've said all along, and I'm proud of our guys right now because there's a lot of ball distribution that's occurring. I mean, you look at the number of people who are repping and getting targets and touches, and it's good. And that has, that'll have a compounding effect, as I said before, through the course of a year, yeah. you know, because we're not just targeting a single player, right? We're not just giving it to a single running back, okay? We're, we're able to distribute it, which means you've got to cover all of them and defend all of them. I want to ask you on Luke, too, Grim. Um, going back to when you met him all the way through now, anything about him surprise you? When, that you maybe when you first saw him, you say, hey, I didn't know this guy had that. Or His commitment was. to a mustache. Is fantastic and second to none. Luke Graham, shout out for the great stash. Um, no, his savviness as a route runner, okay, is 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 what makes him the receiver that he is. And um, he is able to line up in every position. If you were to go back two years ago, towards the end of the season, we talked about uh, Kwame Lasseter and the things that I would say about him. I would say the same things about Luke. 
knows inside and out, can know all, knows all the positions and what they're doing, can, has, a, has a very diverse route running you know, tree, and um, is able to go out there and do those things. And so you can move and groove him. And then obviously LJ and Skinner, and I know we've talked about Doug and Trevor Wilson and, and Tanaka and how's it all growing. They're all sort of complement each other. And it's, it's good that we, again, ball distribution, depth, meaningful reps for other players. In the long run, for us, it's going to be a big deal. Sure. I, I know he's evolved and grown and developed and all that. Did he have that part that you just talked about when you first got him? Um, it's hard to say that because, you know, if you can think back to how much, you know, because you're in a phase of a young man man's life where the how much you change from the age of 18 to 21 is, like, significant. Yeah. And so I don't know how old he is now, probably 21 or 22 Right, but to see him for three years, to see him grow and develop, there's certainly been growth and development. But has he had the fundamental understanding? You know what I mean to get to where he's at. For sure, he had. Right. Yeah. And it's a willingness to want to learn it and understand it too. All right, that was Andy Kotelnik, EKU offensive coordinator, speaking with the media earlier yesterday. And uh, certainly the KU offense, you're going to be expecting big point totals, yardage totals, not just because they've been really good, but also Nevada's defense, not very good. Yeah, dude, Nevada stinks. <laughs> I mean, those boys stink. Yeah, I, I saw yesterday Tom Fornelli of uh, CBS Sports. He's like one of their college football national writers. He uh, every year does the bottom 25. Yes. Dude, I used to read that all the time yes. because KU would always be a lot. Yes. <laughs> now they're they're fortunately no longer in it. Yeah. You know who is is the but worst? You know who's number 1 on the bottom 25? Is Nevada? Is Nevada. Wow. Yeah. Dude, no, I used to honestly, I used to look when KU was really really bad, I used to look forward to the bottom 25 <laughs> more than the top 25 to see where KU was. Like, and, hey, we're there. And honestly, we it's kind it. of fun to read about the other crappy yeah. teams, like other teams that just suck. Yeah, some schadenfreude. You uh, get a little more pleasure <laughs> with some of the other teams that are doing bad too and suffering just like you. Fortunately, KU not there, and uh, yeah, I prefer it this way. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll get to that Brian Borland audio later in the show. We'll take a timeout and uh, come back. There's some interesting NFL Week 1 trends that I want to talk about on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in about half past the hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to that uh, Brian Borland audio coming up later this hour. We also have Florida Man Mad Libs coming at you in the 5 o'clock hour here, along with some Luke Grimm audio. Later tonight, after the show, Lance Leipold is going to be with Brian Haney out of Johnny's Tavern for Hawk Talk. You can hear it here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. Okay, uh, so there's a couple uh, NFL things that I wanted to get to. Um, interesting trends from last year and in week one. Uh, first of all, this is something that will make you happy. If we were doing sports stock market, okay. this would be stock up on Nick being happy. This would also be the opposite of what's nagging Nick. This would be what's... <laughs> what's, what's pleasing Nick. Yeah, although that doesn't... What you know, is making Nick happy? Yeah. What is... I, uh, I don't know. Is that a word that starts with an N that means happy? What's... Uh, I mean, why is why are all the the words know. start with like nefarious like that's you know or negative or I don't know what's nagging like all those are negative connotations dude words. I don't what's know up with that dude you act like I wrote the dictionary no I don't have I don't have responsibility <laughs> for this okay well here yeah, anyway this is what would make you happy oh favorable um, advantageous no but uh, I want one that starts with an N so we can do alliteration what's delighting Nick. No, that sounds stupid. That sounds stupid? Yes. 
<laughs> you don't think that sounds stupid? I don't know. I'm just trying to. Uh, man, this sucks. There's, there's no good options here. Yeah. I'm not you should just change money. your name. You should change your first name. You think so? Yeah. Well, this goes back to our discussion yesterday. There's, I got to make sure it's a name that's compatible with the last name. <laughs> not every name flows well with, with it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's I just can't change my name to anything. Bert. I mean, see, you're Johnson. Yeah. Last name is Johnson. Is anything. Exactly. You could, <laughs> your first name could be wherever, wherever you want, and it's fine. It's not the case for a guy like me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just slap it on there. <laughs> no, my, my name was changed at Ellis Island. Would have been uh, Wepkowski. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember yeah. telling me that. You're part, part of your family heritage. That's right. Anyway, uh, this story, rules result in historically low kick returns is the headline here from ESPN. Um, so, obviously, the, the league changed up some of the, uh, I don't know, the kick return rules that yeah. the ball would I mean, be spotted been, at the 25. Yeah, I mean, they've they been changing it. Catch. Yeah, I mean, they've been changing College it. Rule. You know, a lot over the last five yes. six years, really. But it's the college rule where it's if you call fair catch inside your twenty five, you just have it at the twenty five. Uh, so what yeah. ended up happening in week one, the NFL recorded a historically low twenty point five percent kick return rate, basically meaning one in every five kickoffs were actually returned. Good, that's great. I love that. Like you're right, that makes me very happy. It was well, the- I, I it, okay. As a Chiefs fan, it makes me happy. If I were a fan of a team with a crap offense, I would be not as happy. But also, I don't think the Chiefs utilize the rule. Like they no, did, they I don't. think some of the regular touchbacks. This, that's what makes me so mad about yeah. the Chiefs. Is they still just like <laughs> idiots? Oh, let's run it out to the fifteen. I mean, it's it's one thing if you have Devin Hester, if you have like a, a great special team. Dave Tobe has had very bad special teams rankings over the last like five years. That's a problem. Uh, the return rate was the lowest in a single week of games. Since at least the year 2000, according to ESPN stats and information, there's no data prior to that, um, so it's it's hard to guess prior to that. But based on how play was had, it's probably the lowest that we've had maybe ever. Um, the week one touchback rate was also 77.6 percent, which was the highest since 2000 and likely so, a league record. Here's here's the deal with this stuff. We are now approaching a point to where, with all these rules to manipulate touchbacks and make it to where there's a touchback, we are approaching the point of where, what is the purpose of the kickoff? Why is it even a thing? Sure. If, you're, if it's going to be a touchback 80-85% of the time, or a team's not going to return the kick 80-85% of the time, why are we wasting time kicking it off in the first place? Just one team scores, all right, to the 25. Like, seriously. It would save time. That's for yeah. sure. That, I mean, that's where that's where the XFL's kickoff strategy, I think, make maybe looks more interesting, right? Where they did the thing where you, you don't, there's no running start. Everybody just right, and then they mm-hmm. kicked it. Like that's something because basically, you're getting to a you're getting to a, a point where there's a fork in the road. I think that you're approaching here. Either you just eliminate kickoffs entirely from the game, or you try to look for something like the XFL did, where you try to make it to where kickoffs are still matter a little bit but are still done in in a manner in which to mitigate injuries and to keep players safe. Mm-hmm. That's I think I think that fork in the road is is being approached very quickly here. Like you need to decide. Because seriously, if if it's if it's a touchback 85% of the time, what what why are we doing it? Why are we wasting time? Oh, so we can cram 6 minutes of commercials in because oh, we got to take a commercial after the extra point. Oh, let's take another commercial after yep. the kickoff. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Take a timeout, another commercial. Yep. Exactly. So maybe that's why, but Seriously, I mean, there needs to be probably a discussion here about what is the purpose of the kickoff? 
And if it's going to be a touchback this percentage of the time, we either need to eliminate it entirely because it serves no purpose or look for an alternative option. I'm not saying the XFL's option is what they should do, but I'm saying, like, come up with some other type of option. You know, maybe we're like, you say, okay, we're going to squib kick it from the 50 or whatever, midfield with no run starts, you know, or something like, I don't know, something like that. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. What if you did something where there was a kickoff, but there was no other, it was just the kicker all by himself, no players on either team around him. And if he hits the end zone, it's a touchback. If he makes it through the upright, the other team starts at their own 10. If he doinks it off the upright, the other team starts at their own five. Yeah, you've lost me. And if he kicks it out of bounds, the other team starts at the 40. You've absolutely lost me. What do you mean? It's that, just that, like just, a game that, of... No, that, that doesn't make... No. no, it's like a kicker game Dude, of... Dude, uh, it's football, oh, not a skills challenge. Called? I think it'd football. be interesting. What's, no. what's the game called where you roll the ball? It's always on arcades, and they've got the, the circle... Ski-ball? Uh, Ski-ball. It's like Ski-ball with the kickers. It's no, like, what? If you hit a different zone, that's where the other team starts has, the ball. There, I, first of all, there's absolutely no correlation between what you described and Ski-ball. Yes, it's the same idea. It's no, like it's if not you the same hit idea. it here, you get X amount. No, I think. Uh, have you ever played? Do you even know what yes. ski ball is? Have you played ski it? ball? You hit it in the middle one, you get a bunch of points. If you hit it in the outside one, which is the so bigger what's circle, the you get less that points. that and kicking off. If you have the kicker kick to a certain zone that's harder to kick, they have worse field position. The field position is the points. Where no. he kicks it is where no. you're putting this the ball. Is football, not a skills challenge. That's dumb. Know, I'm just trying to add some intrigue into it. No, it would well, be weird okay. watching football go, without go back kickoffs. to the drawing board. Go back to the drawing board on that one. I'm fine keeping kickoffs, to be honest. I am too. No, I think it's fine. But I'm saying, like, again, if you're trying to eliminate returns, why are we kicking off? <laughs> the whole purpose of a kickoff is the ensuing return of said kickoff. If everything is a touchback, what is the purpose of the kickoff? Exercise. Everybody <laughs> running down the field, getting your I mean, cardio seriously. up. Seriously, so I'm just saying that a fork in the road is going to be a pro is is coming. Sure. For the NFL. do you think if they did get rid of kickoffs at some point, would that lead to a discussion about getting rid of punts? No, because punts are different. There's a there's a actual aspect of that that could affect field position. I mean, punters that that's an actual there's a skill there. You know, you're trying to pinpoint a punt, or you're trying to... Okay, so now we're back you know, to my, my idea. Why not do my idea? How is that different than the punting? <laughs> no, because it's the just... The ski-ball kicking idea. No, no. <laughs> the ski-ball kicking idea is, is I think dumb. we call it that, too. We call it ski-ball kicking. No, that's dumb. No, punting punting deserves to be in the game, 100%. There's, it, it absolutely makes total sense to have that in there. I think there is some skill if you maybe tweak it with the kickoff. What if you just made it kicker and kick returner? 1v1. That's where I thought you were going with it in the first Actually, place. that would be... Think about how exciting that would be. Seriously. Because then you have two ways of approaching this. Well, then the, the, the games would be 900 to 900. No, 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 no. Because no, no, no. would be a touchdown. No, because the Chiefs would have, like, Justin Reed be the kicker in, for the kickoffs. Okay, but right? not every team has Justin Reed. Okay, but they would start investing in those players more. Or... No, because, no now you're just now you're just mm. devaluing kickers. No, because you're also valuing the kickers who can just kick it second. through the end zone. Why wouldn't you just onside it... And then, because there's nobody to field it. I mean, that's part of it, too. There's one guy to field it. He can either field it 10 yards out, and you could kick it deep. You could have him, you know, be kind of in the middle. I don't know. That's part of the strategy, right? Or maybe it's 2v2. 2v2. So you have one guy up high, one guy back to return, and then you have one guy to help the kicker tackle. I think you can make this very exciting. Because what is the most exciting play in football? When somebody's out in the open field and they can show off their moves. Yeah, I I don't think that's going to happen either. I think I fixed the kickoff. 
You're just you're I just think, a no man. I think the there's I think there's downer. too many old heads uh running the NFL. Yeah, my stuff where I, they yeah. would actually eliminate kickoffs at least in the short term. But I I don't know. I mean, I think if if they keep this rule the way it is right now and it's just this is how it is, status quo for like the next 5 seasons and you get start getting like some new blood in there or something, maybe you eliminate kickoffs. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm honestly fine either way. I don't I'm not really pro or anti. Will I still kickoffs. watch football either way? Yes. Yes. So from that standpoint, I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, this is also written by uh, Brooke Pryor for ESPN. That uh, looking back at numbers from last year, that there were only thirty four hundred and sixteen attempts of passes at least fifteen yards downfield during the twenty twenty two regular season. That was the fewest in any season since two thousand six. And basically, this this is an interesting article that that goes back and, and looks and. Um, takes kind of a, a dive into a theory that Patrick Mahomes kind of changed things here. Uh, that that because of Patrick Mahomes' defenses started, and, and with, I guess, Tyreek Hill too, started playing this too high coverage and basically saying, hey, we, we want quarterbacks to stop having to hit home runs. We want them to just take singles. And if they single us to death over and over again, more power to them. But we're going to basically get rid of the big play. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. And, and you're right. Obviously... Teams have defended Mahomes way differently than 2018, 2019, mm-hmm. right? They've 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 adjusted, and I mean that's all that's what the NFL is. The NFL is an adjustment league, right? You adjust year to year. What else do we know about the NFL? It's a copycat league. So teams started playing Mahomes that way, like, and other oh, teams we'll play said, Josh "Okay, we now. can we'll start play playing." Joe that way. Yeah, we'll yeah. start playing other quarterbacks play that Herbert. way, and yeah, we'll make them beat us with ten to twelve play drives instead of four play drives where they hit a big shot down the field or something. And obviously, you know, the athleticism of defenses and offenses has improved to the point where, you know, you could put two really athletic, speedy safeties, whatever, back, and they're going to be able to cover all that ground, cover that field. So it it makes sense. It makes sense. And for what it's worth, that trend did continue in week one of the regular season. Uh, Air yards per attempt and number of passes attempted of more than 20 air yards were lower in week one than both the 2022 averages. Just 9% of all passes attempted were deep balls in week one, uh, down from 10.5% from 2022 in week one. Air yards per, per attempt were down about 0.2, which doesn't I mean, sound like a big I, number. I but, think it's an ebb and flow type yeah. situation where this, people are now, this is how people are wanting to play, not giving up d- deep balls. But eventually, you know, as offenses adjust to that, and maybe they are more successful in moving the ball down the field consistently and scoring more, defenses are going to say, wait a second. Maybe we shouldn't be giving up eight-yard catches every single play. Let's adjust. Then there's more adjustment. Then it's back and forth. You know, it's just a it's a back and forth thing. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We have some Brian Borland audio from the KU defensive coordinator. We'll get to that on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. This is a Rock Chalk Sports Talk News Alert. Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it. Ever wondered just how crazy headlines can get? And now the Broward Sheriff's Office is looking into this one. So if you recognize the defecating deviant dropping deuces on driveways, give Broward Crime Stoppers a call. Our headline experts have you covered. 42-year-old man was arrested for riding his bicycle on the front lawn of a neighborhood 
Naples home and telling a woman inside he was an FBI agent. This is Florida Man Mad Libs with Derek Johnson, Nick Springer, and Sam Speck on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Joining us now in studio, Sam Speck for another edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. Gentlemen, oh, we are back and it's a nice sigh of relief on a regular day. On a Wednesday, Florida Man took a two-week hiatus, a couple of bye weeks, but of course, a couple of busy weeks as well. Let's go KU 2-0. So at least uh, we've got some good juju there. But let's bring back some fun on a Wednesday. Right. Florida Man Mad Libs. Here's how it works. We've got four legitimate headlines coming their way. Now, it's not specific to the state of Florida. We can, of course, kind of drift around the country as well. But with four legitimate headlines, the first one will only have one redacted word or phrase. The next three will have two redacted words or phrase with a point value up to three if you get the entire headline correct. And it is in the name. If you played those Mad Libs games back in the day, we are just going to have redacted phrases from these legitimate headlines. And then we get to listen to how both Nick and Derek decide how the headline, and we encourage just, that you play at home as well. Yeah, we're just filling in the blank here. Filling with, uh, in whatever. the blanks. So again, Derek so, sucks and I don't. <laughs> Actually, uh, Sam, do you remember what the records were? The summer season has been a little one-sided, Nick. Yeah, so you me. might want to... <laughs> No, six and two. Derek, Derek with a six and two lead right now. Uh, but again, the aggregate points aren't too far off. So the the weeks that Nick has won, he's won in fashion, thirty two to twenty four. Uh, you would think a six and two record would actually be a lot worse than that. Sure. So let's get into it here in the summer season. A lot of fun, Florida Man Mad Libs. And again, we encourage you play at home and keep your own score as well. So first headline coming at you. Are you boys ready? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. All right. Again, for weeks. Only one redacted word or phrase here in round number one. And we're going to go to the Centennial State, my home state. The Colorado man wins a $5 million on the lottery. His first purchase was a blank. Ooh. Or excuse me, was blank. I'm just, without even seeing this, I'm going to guess it's going to be like another lottery ticket. Well. That would make no sense. Here is your options. His first purchase was 10,000 more lottery tickets. Okay, that's a little excessive. That's five million dollars, ten thousand. That's a pretty good odds right there. God. That's pretty. Whatever they're like two five dollar tea, you know. But whatever. Dude, you know how long it would take you to go through? <laughs> yeah. And what see if he won another five million? One? But it would take you off. so long. A two million dollar diamond piano, or watermelons. So a Colorado man wins five million dollars on the lottery. His first purchase was either ten thousand more lottery tickets, a two million dollar I mean, diamond piano, listen, or watermelons. Even it, like okay. Even if watermelons was like my favorite food of all time, that would not be my first purchase. Well, what if he was just at the store? So you're saying he went to the store to like see if he won? Because a lot of times, yeah, they have take them at the ticket the store, and right? they're like, oh, you scan it at the store. Yeah, scan it at Dillon's so he or something. He already store, had the watermelons and he, he was going to buy them. That I, I could see that. I could see that. I do have the context of this story. The diamond so. piano, uh, I think, on its. On, but it's so, so specific. On face value, it seems like it would be the most logical answer out of the three It is options. so specific, right? too. Would it it's not? A diamond piano but would that it makes not, me want to take. Like, on its face, that's the most yes. logical answer out and of the And maybe he's like a talented pianist or something like that for years. He's an elderly man, by the way, so there's a hint. So he's an older gentleman. Okay. Mm. So if sure. he's an older guy, well, $2 million diamond piano but why, or watermelon dude, or 10,000 more lottery tickets. Why would you buy 10,000 more lottery? Like, that's just the dumbest thing I could possibly think of. That's so dumb might be the right answer. I I mean, there's a lot of people out there that <sighs> kind of, they win in the lottery, and what do they do with their winnings? They go buy more lottery tickets. That's just dumb. It's, I'm going to... 
I'm going to go with 10,000 lottery tickets. All right, so Good. Nick's going to go with that. See, that was my initial gut reaction, so I feel like I should stick with my gut, but I also want to be different than you. I'm going to go watermelons. So Derek is going to go. We have the 6-2 lead. I might as well have fun with it. And I do have the context of this story because it's actually a, a very heartwarming story because a Colorado man, if, if you guys locked in. Yeah. All right, everybody locked you're, in at home. Right, Colorado man wins $5 million on lottery. His first purchase was watermelons. Wow. Indeed. And he actually said it was just because it was in season, his favorite fruit. He obviously isn't a very <laughs> greedy individual, and he just decided to go to the market Don't and get, get some watermelons. Don't get a dinner, man, or have a, you know. What if he's a vegetarian? Yeah, there, well, well that's, that's, that, that's your first problem. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Derek coming away with the one point. Again, as I mentioned, the next three headlines coming your way, they will have two redacted words or phrases with a point value upwards of three. So now we will finally get back down to the Sunshine State. A Florida man steals blank. Drove it through blank wall. So again, a Florida man huh. steals a blank and then drove it through blank wall. So blank we get to the wall first was fascinating to me yeah. because, like, what what would like go in front of a wall? wall? Like, yeah, like, like what yeah. kind of wall was it? Exactly. Yeah. And we'll get to the second redacted in just a moment. But we'll start with the first. He either stole an Audi supercar, <laughs> an excavator. Or a stick boom truck, which is like what the electricians use to get up on uh, near the wires and things okay, like yeah, that. Yeah. So a Florida man steals either an Audi supercar, a stick boom truck, or an excavator. Drove it through blank wall. So We'll get to the second in a moment. My initial reaction here is, if you're driving it through a wall, excavator makes a lot of sense. That's exactly what I was because saying. Because you could yeah. smash it through a wall. Yeah. The, the, the stick truck, electric tr electricity Stick truck, boom truck, yeah. What if they what? were... What if they were working on like a power line and he stole it and like accidentally he didn't know how to drive it. It was like too big a vehicle and he ran it through somebody's house. Yeah, well, I mean, house I don't think wall, you're supposed to drive when the thing's extended. No, so obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's stealing he stole it. it. I, don't think he cares. I do he think he stole it and it's like though. flying around. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he has no control. Yeah, crashing into I mean, something. There, there is some sensibility to that one. There really is. Yeah. Well, and uh, there's sensibility to the to the supercar one because he steals it and he's like, "Oh, dude, I'm gonna drive fast." And then, yeah, he doesn't have any control. Wait, over when it. you say yeah. supercar, like, what what does that mean? Audi, uh, Audi supercar. I would imagine that. any of their racing caliber cars, or like, there's the R8 is probably considered their okay, supercar. Okay, so it's not like a car that drives itself. No, no, absolutely. This is a. It's just a very. Because then I would be getting car. on board with that one. That the car that drove itself just like, autonomously rolled through. Like, through why the walls, would you steal right? a car that can drive itself? <laughs> That's the know. dumbest thing I've ever no, heard. No, that would be he. He stole the car thinking he was stealing it, and then he couldn't drive oh, the car. I see. Drove itself, and, then, and he's like, I can't. Do well, then how would it drive into a wall? I don't know. That would be yeah. the funny part. Uh, but I'm not taking that because it's not how So, it's Derek, what do you go? Excavator. excavator. Okay, so he's yeah. going to lock yeah. in an excavator. Nick, I think that's kind of what your gut was as well. Or what are you thinking here? I got to be different from Derek. I'm going to go with the stick truck. And I'll tell you what. The stick boom trucks are pretty big. So they are large. You yeah. have enough and speed. And again, if, you, if it's extended and you start to drive it, <laughs> who knows? All right. Well, let's get to the second yes. redacted word. So, again, a Florida man steals either an Audi supercar, an excavator, or a stick boom truck. And drove it through Walmart wall, drove it through his garage wall, or drove it through a police station wall. Ooh. So again, what was the first option? Walmart. Walmart wall. Or his garage or the police station. Which yeah, make okay. it an easy arrest. Because I went with the stick boom truck, the his garage wall I don't think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't well, know if it you could fit I it guess. in there. Well that's that that actually makes more sense now though, now that I think about it. Oh, I see. Because he just squeezed like, it in. Yeah, he's like, I stole this <laughs> truck and I need to hide it. I'm going to park it in my garage, and he didn't even consider that it would not fit in his garage. And he just, you know, destroyed his own wall. And then they, when the cops are like, huh, 
I wonder which house stole this giant truck. Is it the one with <laughs> the destroyed our city wall? vehicle? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm gonna go with garage wall. Actually, so I, oh, really? so I'm it. not doing garage. I, I'm I wanted wall. to do police from the get go, so I'm gonna go with police. I don't really have a rhyme or reason with the excavator. I guess the excavator might make most sense on Walmart, but I'm not thinking the exca- excavator one is right. So I'm gonna kind of hedge here. I tried to look into the context of this story. So if you guys are locked in on your second one, it looked like yeah. Nick going to this garage police station for Derek there. I tried to look in the context, and I got confused on this one because here's what it is. A Florida man steals excavator, then drove it through a Walmart wall. And mm. I have no idea what his intentions were, if this was premeditated or if it was, an. I mean. This could just be, have you ever been, like, like when you were like a teenager or a young adult or like, you know, a 12-year-old, you're like, uh, what are we gonna do for fun? And you just you wander into a Walmart, and then you like take one of the uh, like one of the electric like <laughs> where carts you, where or something are you going like that. Yeah. No, I'm just saying. Like as a, as a as a younger person, sometimes you do juvenile things, and you just drive around and have fun. What if what if this was just like a teenager who was like, oh look, that ah. excavator's empty. You know, it's Keys right there. It. Uh, what if we go take it and steal it, and then they accidentally. You know, they couldn't control it, and yeah. like it just continued to Maybe. roll. You never know. I don't know. But Derek does come away with one point there with the excavator, mm. and uh, so we'll move on to this one. This one is going to be fun here, and uh, honestly, we'll just have to get into it. We're going to stick down in the Sunshine State. Florida man writing blank in the blank is now facing charges. So he's writing something somewhere, and we'll get to the somewhere in just a moment, but what is he writing? Florida man writing an electric-powered surfboard a human-sized hamster wheel, or a jet ski in the blank is now facing charges. Okay. So a human-sized hamster wheel? Is that even a thing? So wait, 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 time out. <laughs> so I need, again, I need to hear this again. A Florida man is riding either an electric-powered surfboard, a human-sized hamster wheel, or a jet ski in the blank is now facing charges. I still want to pick the hamster. But, but okay. <laughs> Wait, you wouldn't be riding it, though, would you? You'd have to be powering it yourself. <laughs> what if it's... I, I don't know. Right? Dude. Wouldn't you have to power it yourself? What if by powering it yourself, that allows you to ride it? Like, that... Well, but I mean, you still no, ride a, a bike. If it's a like, hamster wheel, then he's... Wouldn't that mean that he's not... But you still have to power a yeah, bicycle. Yeah, but like he's saying, like, it's basically like the wheels of it are powered by you running the hamster wheel. But, okay. The, so then he wouldn't be going anywhere. He's right? trying. No, you're 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 thinking of this wrong. The the hamster wheel missing? that he's on is supplying the power that to is what? moving the wheels on something. Yeah, to whatever it, it is. It could be a parade float for all we know. <laughs> so okay, so he's so he's he's on a hamster wheel, but the hamster wheel is not what's moving. It's just like a bicycle, no. you have to pedal. You no, have no, to but change what's gears. About it is the hamster Nick wheel doesn't thinking, move. Nick is thinking oh. the hamster wheel is stationary. The ha- no, hamster this, wheels yeah, don't yeah, move. Okay, this you is, run on it, but the wheel doesn't move anywhere. Okay, well, and that's actually a good observation. But no, this is a this a is a non-stationary. Yes, a non-stationary. It's so like again, a, basically just a. Uh, I don't know, like a That's uh, why I needed, that's why I needed to call time out. I was yeah. like, Clarification. Like, a hamster this, wheel doesn't yeah, move. No, no, this guy basically has a Fred Flintstone car. There you uh, go. View, view it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so either an electric-powered surfboard, a jet ski, but, or, okay, again, no, a human-sized Fred Flintstone's car doesn't, it shouldn't move either. There's no power to Fred Flintstone's car. But it does car. somehow. Then big feet move that car uh, pretty quickly. I don't know. Do you have a, do you have a read on this? <laughs> There's no read. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with the hamster wheel. I don't know. I'm just gonna go with hamster. So wheel. Nick's gonna know. go with the weird one, hamster wheel. I got a text from uh, Matt Llewellyn. who will be on the call with myself for the uh, Lawrence High game on Friday night. He thinks hamster wheel in the ocean. So he's going in the ocean. Oh, I did. The, the The reason I'm not gonna take hamster wheel. The second part of it, where you said in the blank, 
that sounds like to me it is going to be in the ocean. And could be the other like, two options oh, besides hamster be like wheel in the nude. Yeah, well, it could be. Or yeah, I guess. Or uh, in the you know. or in parade, which I kind of said it could be a parade float. Yeah. I'm going to guess it's ocean. The other two are both water related craft. Um, I am gonna. What, what was the last one again? Uh, either an electric powered surfboard or a jet ski. I'm gonna go jet ski. There yeah, are a lot of bad when, or dumb get, things that happen. Wouldn't jet you skis. get electrocuted on an electric powered surfboard no. in the ocean? No, no, those are those are legit things. You're they have little motors. You're on not it. plugging in electricity <laughs> to the water. <laughs> There's a waterproof There's battery like batteries pack. inside the thing. There is such thing as waterproof battery packs. Okay, so you guys locked in. We got Nick <laughs> with a human-sized hamster wheel. We got jet ski for Derek. So a Florida man, again, riding either an electric-powered surfboard, a jet ski, or the human-sized hamster wheel in the City Hall Fountain, oh, the Atlantic Ocean, or a Legoland wave pool. And he's now facing charges. So maybe he took a surfboard to the wave pool down there in Florida. Because there is Legoland yeah. in Orlando. I've been to it, actually. Yeah, he could have tried. It's tough. Okay. So when you say life-size hamster, what's the what's the exact word, exact phrase? Legitimately says human-sized hamster wheel. So okay, I, <laughs> in I, my head, I don't think it's Atlantic Ocean. In my head, well, it's tough. This one's a weird. I don't one. think I can pick fountain because I feel like the hamster wheel is too big. Yeah, but it can't be Atlantic Ocean, right? Because why not? It's just an ocean. Why would that be illegal? What you're doing? Oh, I do have context to this story, so I'll pick Legoland then. Okay, so Nick's gonna go oh, Legoland. Yeah. You you said <laughs> no, you were gonna go I ocean won't. on the I second won't. one, like you said, or are you gonna I change? Think your how could, big is this? Is this? You could pick a fountain. fountain. You could pick the fountain. How big is it? It's gotta be illegal to ride a jet ski in a fountain. Well, it's think. a city property. I mean, I, yeah, I'm absolutely. kind of thinking it's gonna end up being the surfboard one in the fountain. So I'm gonna take sur- I'm gonna take the fountain. Okay. okay. So Derek going with there, and here it is. Everybody locked in at home. Nick, Derek, you guys got them both locked in. And uh, let's give some credit to Mr. Llewellyn, because a Florida man riding a human-sized hamster wheel in the Atlantic Ocean is now facing charges. And this is not the first time he tried to do this. He tried to go to the Caribbean the first time, and this time he was trying to travel across the pond for some reason. Why? I don't know. He's like, it's like a world record or something like that. And it's legitimately one of those big orb balls. This is one of those stupid world records. Okay, so I started rethinking it. I think the... The it's you're using the wrong terminology here because it's he's in a ball. It's one of those pla- those clear plastic balls. Look, look up the picture. Yeah, look. Yeah, up it's the not a hamster wheel. It's like the ball. You know what I'm talking about? It's ridiculous. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I think that's what, that's what it is. On it. It's, he, yeah. No, I'm looking at it now. That is like a hamster wheel. <laughs> what does it look like? <laughs> it's, it's It's not one of the balls. It's it not looks a ball. Like a hamster wheel. It is. So how does he power it? But it has like balloons in it. So yeah, he's, like, he's walking. It has yeah, balloons on the side, and the middle part is like a hamster wheel. What the what? And he put flaps on it to think that that looks like a prison. <laughs> and apparently he he had a, a standoff incredible. with the Coast Guard as well. It didn't end up uh, necessarily pleasant. That's that, why yeah, yeah, that he's facing charges. To, yeah, That's no, the I, second time he's tried that. He yeah. tried to go to the Caribbean no, the first time. I, I have a lot of... <laughs> All right, so, so here it is. The picture gave me more questions. Nick does come away with one point, though, so good job, Nick. So two to one as we head into the final question here, and we're going to go up to Ohio. That's right. Oh, An Ohio sh- man uses blank to cut off blank at Ace Hardware and was arrested on scene. So we'll get to the first one here. An Ohio man uses either a utility knife, a chainsaw, or hedge clippers to cut off blank at Ace Hardware. Then was I'm, arrested on scene. I'm a little nervous about what he's cutting off here. Yeah. Careful, <laughs> boys. <laughs> uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little concerned about this one. I'm going to say utility knife. I'm going to go with hedge clippers. Okay, okay. so hedge clippers for Think Nick. about it. Hedge clippers is something you would easily find. So if you're in an emergency and you need to cut something, you would find it at the hardware store. 
and then cut whatever Old clippers, it is. I see. All right, so cut here. both pretty confident on your first answers there. Locked in, hopefully at home locked in. Ohio man uses either hedge clippers, chainsaw, or utility knife to cut off wall decor, a display sign, or his own ankle monitor at Ace Hardware. Ankle and monitor. Hey, on you got the ankle monitor Ankle on monitor there. for sure. All right, you both going <laughs> with sure. it? I, yeah. <laughs> You're both right. I uh, so hard to I'm going to go with find something monitor, else. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it was it was so hard to try well, and find something one, else. Because that's the determining factor. That's true. This is the determining factor. And Very in fact, important. We do have a winner this week by just one point. An Ohio man uses hedge clippers oh, to cut off Ace Hardware and on scene. Yeah, How about dude. that? Woo, Four to three. Come on, Nick, Woo. with another weak victory. Good job, my man. Let's All go. right. Oh, I love it. Uh, anything for the house this week? Do we have enough time? Uh, I don't think we have enough time. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. That's so all right. We'll, we'll, put it, we'll push it to next week. But, but hey, that was I, a lot of fun. Oh, and I'm glad to be back. We'll be back next week, whether it's Wednesday or Friday. But again, Florida Man Mad Libs, thanks for including me in your fun. We're out for now. We'll be back next week. All right. He's Sam Spack with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Loser Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk 6-3, baby. Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.